Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right, my friends, you've tuned in to America's Home for Conservative Not Better Talk, and I am your host, Todd Huff. Email. Yes, you can email me your thoughts, your questions, your feedback, whatever that is. I'll even accept adoration and praise, as you know, that email address, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you for joining us. Now, we may have some new people uh, in the audience today. In fact, if you're one of those new listeners who um, is a Democrat, um, even a liberal. Um, You're someone who voted for Biden, but you didn't vote for this. I've got a message for you in particular today, and I want to apologize for my conservative, uh, well, for conservatives out there, Republicans out there who don't seem to I don't know, appreciate or grasp this important part of the equation or situation that we're in. But I just want to say thank you for tuning in. You're welcome here. I used to to say something like this at the beginning from time to time. I don't care what you think. I do care what you think, though, is the problem. I want to persuade you for constitutional conservatism, constitutional principles and values. Um, What it was that truly made this a special, special place. We're not special because of our... Um, race or gender or any of those things were special because we embraced truth. We embraced truth, and that that truth has a lot of important uh, foundations, or you could say elements, or what have you. Um, we can't touch on all of those, but I think one of the most important is that our liberties come not from government, but from our creator. Our founders actually said that. That may be shocking to some to hear, but they said that in the document called the Declaration of Independence. And then they took the time to to enumerate some, but certainly not all of those liberties in our Constitution. So I want to say for those who have tuned in, maybe maybe you're someone who voted for Biden um and you realize that this is this is not what you voted for, my friend. This is absolutely not what you voted for. And I know it's human nature to not want to admit that. I get that, especially given all the hype and controversy and everything that went into the 2020 election and how polarized it was and how people were supposed to pick a tribe immediately. And look, I certainly think for my conservative listeners out there who've listened for a long time. I'm, um, I certainly wish that everyone had the same level of understanding and appreciation for these things. But the truth is it, we all learn these things or have been exposed to them at different, different points of, in our lives. I mean, I know when I first started listening to Rush Limbaugh back in 1999, you know, I always loved and appreciated things about America, even as a young kid. I was raised by what I consider to be a, I don't know, a patriotic, freedom-loving family. 
who loved the fact that you know this that we were American and this was the greatest nation on the face of the planet because again of the ideas, not because of anything else, but because of the ideas that we that we embraced and that we built this nation upon. But not everybody has that, especially in fact, I would contend that sometimes well, many times in higher education, some of these some of these principles are scoffed at by the very learned amongst us, the academic types, those who condescendingly want to criticize all things upon which this nation was built as they I remember when I was in school there were professors that would criticize capitalism as they would sip their latte from their Starbucks cup or work at their uh, you know their Mac computer or what have you back in the day. It always the symbolism was rich there, right? Is they were talking about anti-capitalism stuff, but yet embracing the things that capitalism and free markets brought to us. But anyway, we all we all get there. We're exposed to different things, and some folks can be highly educated, very intelligent, and go through school, but they're taught things that are just factually wrong. They're taught things that are factually wrong about people like me, other listeners in this audience that are conservatives, what we believe, what we think the rationale for us being conservative, what it means to actually be conservative. And so I want to maybe, I can't do all that. It's a huge task. So the first thing I'll tell you is, first thing I'll tell you is if if you're new to this program today um, or have been new in the past couple of weeks as this program is growing, we're reaching, reaching more people and God willing, we'll continue to do that in the days, weeks, months, years to come. Um, If that describes you, Give us some time here. Give us some time. There's there's some context that has to be developed. Um, if you misinterpret something, please give me the benefit of the doubt. I am not, contrary to what the radical left and folks in the media would have you believe, I am not the spawn of Satan. I'm actually one who proclaims the truth of Christ. So I think that um, you know you got to give it some time, a couple couple of weeks of trying to understand the ebbs and flows, and maybe we'll reference something that we talked about in a previous episode, all that stuff kind of kind of can happen on a day-to-day basis. But I just come here to talk with you like I would talk with you if we were sitting um, you know at a over lunch or you know many of you may listen to this program driving in your car. I mean this these are conversations that we could have in that sort of environment. And so today I want to specifically talk to Talk to those who maybe voted for Biden. Maybe you didn't vote. Maybe whatever. Whatever the situation is, I'm not here. I want you to hear me say this off the top. I'm not here to – there's no litmus test. You don't have to agree with everything that I say, though you certainly should. That's a wink and a nod. There's a little bit of sarcasm and hyperbole and exaggeration and fun on this program as well. But you certainly should agree with everything that's said. But if you don't, that's okay. You can still tune in here. We can still be friends at least as much as that is up to me. So I want to start here with something that I saw yesterday kind of trending on social uh, media. In fact, I retweeted one of these. And this says, this is the tweet. This is the full tweet. I regret voting for Joe Biden. That's the tweet. And I'm sure that there are Dozens, hundreds, thousands maybe of tweets like this. I've seen 
I've seen this sort of thing before. You might remember the, what is it, walk away movement? Was it the walk away movement hashtag? Oz is shrugging. She's not sure. I think it was the walk away movement where folks were basically appealing to Democrats, freedom-loving Democrats, to walk away. Because what the party that existed in their mind, the party that existed in the 1960s, 70s, maybe even 80s, and it began to fade away, and now it's the party's been taken over. It's It's been co-opted, it's been hijacked, it's been taken over. Um, there's a true occupation in the Democrat Party, and the leaders do not represent the rank-and-file Democrats across the heartland. They simply do not. I was raised in a Union Democrats home, and I can tell you, while, um, while my father in particular would certainly agree with some of the some some of the Democrat principles, and certainly not all of them, and certainly not those embraced and pushed down uh, America's throats by the extreme godless, radical, anti-American left. And that is who today runs the Democrat Party. That is not, hear me say this, that is not the rank-and-file Democrat. In fact, that might be the rank-and-file Democrat in Portland. I'm not declaring that definitively, but if, if it is anywhere, it would be in a place like that, a place like Seattle, a place like Portland, a place like San Francisco. And we have listeners in all those places, so I hope you feel part of this community too. I'm not maligning or attacking your community Ruthlessly, I'm simply sharing with you some of the things that I've seen coming out of those places that are very, very problematic to me. And there's not much in the way um, of resistance to those ideas. Again, they're not ideas, they're feelings, to those feelings in certain places around the country. But that's not most Americans. So when I see a tweet that says, I regret voting for Joe Biden, it reminds me, and this was my, I retweeted this. My tweet read this, the quote, science has proven. I always love using the phrases and terms that the radical left tries to use against conservatives to try to misrepresent who we are and what we think. They want you to believe that we're anti-science, that we don't believe in those sorts of things. We believe in fairy tales and myths and so forth. Nothing could be further from the truth. But nonetheless, they've been successful at doing this. And so I say the, quote, science has proven that this sentiment, the sentiment that says, I regret voting for Joe Biden, is real for more than 16 million people. That's what research has shown, folks. Research has shown that 20%, one in five Biden voters from 2016, and I don't want to get into the whole how many votes really count. I'm not, that's not what this is about. Just, I'm going to take it at face value today. 81 million people, we were told, voted for Joe Biden. That's what we were told, 81 million. By the way, that is 15, I think, 15 million more than voted for Hillary four years prior uh, prior to that. So Biden somehow found 15 million other voters to come and vote for him, be that as it may. Basically, that difference, the the difference between Hillary's votes and the number of votes Biden got, that that number is now washed out according to polling because they say that 20% of Biden voters from 2020 now regret their vote. They agree with this particular individual who sent this tweet out um, a couple of days ago. And that translates 20% of 80 million is 16 million. It's actually slightly more than 16 million. 16 million, 200,000, I guess is what it would be. 
So I continue in my tweet here. If you feel this way but don't know where to turn, I invite you to tune into my podcast, and that's where some of you have come on here today for the first time. You're welcome to join us regardless of what you believe. I put a link to the podcast. And so, um, and I've, I've reached out different, you know, different places with the same message. This is kind of a, a recurring theme for us because I'm of the belief, again, I was raised in a home by Union Democrats. I was not taught that America was a bad place. I was not taught that um, in order to be you know, a, a responsible American, I have to recognize if I'm white, for example, which I am, although I will tell you I'm the 13th great-grandson of Pocahontas. That has been proven by genealogy. So if that's important to people, I just want to throw that out there. But the, um, the some people want you to believe that you have to accept and believe these these things. Like if you're white, you're inherently racist. If you're capitalist, uh, believe in capitalism and free markets, you're part of the problem. Capitalism is inherently racist. All these things that I was not taught in the Union Democrat patriotic family that I was that I was raised in. And I, I just believe that that's still not how the majority of Democrats, uh, people who are Democrats, were raised. They're, those are not things that they believe. In fact, a lot of you, a lot of you who are Democrats listening to me today, and to my conservative friends, hang on, because... I think some of the things that we're saying on here today um, is important when we think about the way that we interact and communicate with those who have a different worldview or political affiliation than we do. Because, man, today it's just so – it's almost like you know, we're supposed to, hey, my name's Todd. How are you? Hey, my name's Steve. What's your political party? I'm going to decide if I hate your guts or not. And it's just – craziness to me because see what i think is truth which is what we proclaim on this program and i don't have it all figured out don't misunderstand me but the things that are true that we used to recognize in this country um virtually everyone it's never been everyone because there's always been people that are (laughs) have some crazy crazy notions and ideas But the things that we talk about on this program are things that have been historically accepted by the vast majority of Americans as true and accurate, right? The importance of liberty, the importance of freedom, free speech. Um, Even I would say the right to – if you say keep and bear arms, that might throw a barrier up in the minds of some people. But to to be able to protect yourself and your loved ones from imminent harm, which of course is an extension of the the Second Amendment, that and of course – uh, you know, from from a common criminal to someone as threatening as um, as a government, as we're watching unfold before our eyes in Ukraine today, we can see suddenly why it's important for people to have arms, have weapons, because these things do happen. And I'm not suggesting that that's about to happen here, but I'm simply pointing out. I'm simply pointing out that governments do this. This is the nature of governments when people don't hold government to to account. And so the things that we talk about on this program are things that used to be universally accepted as as American concepts and principles. And so that's what I'm trying to do again. I'm trying to I'm trying to proclaim these. I'm trying to get people who believe these radical notions, these completely broken ideas, incorrect ideas about what America is, what it what she stands for, the things that are 
important. I want to properly frame um, what free market capitalism is, what liberty is, what the role of government is, the role of the individual. And folks, I will stand up and protect your right to do something I personally disagree with. I'm a Christian, for example. You can, wouldn't advise it. I really wouldn't. But you can say some really atrocious things about my faith. You could even, you have the speech, the freedom to even mock God. Do not advise that. Let me be clear on that. Um, but to say that I should use the force of government to, to shut someone up from expressing an idea, especially something as important as a worldview, as a political um, uh, you know, political issue, these things are critically important and must be protected at all costs. And I know, I know that most people agree with these things. But you have to throw into the mix some other realities. We've been stirred up to hate people who are different from us. The other side has been demonized. We spend a lot of time, unfortunately, in our own echo chambers where sometimes we can get a little bit of, you know, where we might say some things in jest or in jest as we articulate a point and, and you know talk about the other political side that we wouldn't necessarily say or shouldn't say. In, in front of them because it wouldn't be conducive to, to discussion and, and conversation and so forth. Um, what I'm saying is we try to do away with all that stuff here. We're Americans, right? Actually, f- first we're the creation of, of God, and then we're, we're Americans. We're Americans. And so my belief is that if it's ideas that, it made, that made America special, if it's ideas that separated America from every other place on planet Earth throughout history, if that is true, and it is, it is, and there's certainly, I would say, the blessing of God in there too, but it's ideas that has separated, that has separated America from other countries on the, on the face of the planet uh, throughout history. It stands to reason that if those ideas are abandoned, those ideas that set us apart in a positive way, if those ideas are abandoned or deviated from too much, then it would stand to reason that eventually, eventually America would begin to decline and in fact even possibly collapse. These aren't like imminent predictions or anything. I'm just saying if the idea is what made America special, if we stray from it, bad things will happen. If we cling to it, proclaim it, teach it to our children, stand up and defend these things that are often under the assault of the radical left today and the media, if we stand up and defend those things, good things can and well, more than likely, more than likely will result. And so I welcome you. I welcome you to the program. We talk about these ideas. We have fun. If I make fun of liberalism, um, don't take it personally. I'm just having good, clean fun. We can still be friends. You'll find that from time to time, I even make fun of myself on here, which is actually, I'm a pretty big target from time to time as well. So it's never personal. It's never meant to personally, you know, create some barrier between us. It's really just done to sometimes lighten the mood and to just have a little bit of fun along the way. So all that being said, a timeout is in order. So my friends who have regretted voting for Joe Biden, hang in there with us during this timeout. Sit tight. We'll return and have our discussion on some important issues about this when we get back. So you're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk and liberals. I know you can hang in there. I know you can hang in there. 
even if you've been taught Bernie Sanders math, it isn't very long. No matter how you calculate it, it's not very long. This time out, we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Welcome back, my friends. So let's let's talk about what I really um, wanted to make sure that Democrats, liberals, um, moderates, even the radical left. If you're a radical leftist, and just as long as you're not the the type that um, is rabid or anti God and rabid. Um, we should be able to, hey, look, as much as it's up to me, I should be able to get, we'll, we'll be able to get along. But I want to hear, I want to make sure that you all hear me say this because I've noticed to some of these people, uh, for some of these people who made these confessions, if you will, on, on social media or maybe even personally, hey, I really regret my, my vote for Biden. Every once in a while, I see a response that really perplexes me. And I'm going to read from a tweet here. Um, this is... Her name's Katie. I'm not even going to give the, the full name here. But this is what she tweeted out. I'm seeing more and more every day... Uh, I'm seeing more and more, quote, I regret voting for Joe Biden tweets every day. By the way, she's right in that observation. I've seen this too. This can go back for for some time, even back to the walk away movement. But her response is, we tried to tell you, suck it up and own it. I have to tell you, I don't understand. I don't understand why some conservatives, some Republicans, whatever, feel the need to respond like this. Isn't the point of this... Isn't the point of engaging in political discourse to persuade the other side? Or are we just engaged in one giant uh, slinging of the mud, one one mud fight? Is this a a cage fight? And not even a cage fight like we would see in UFC, of which I'm a big big fan. Are we going to lock the cage like they did for the gladiators and then fight till the, the metaphorical death here and only one come out? That's not the way. To do this, I actually want to persuade people and to tell someone, we tried to tell you, you didn't do it. Effectively, what they're saying is you're an idiot. Suck it up and own it. See, the problem is we all have to own it. The problem is she, this Katie here, who thinks she's being, I guess, tough and you know, just edgy or whatever, it's off-putting. It's off-putting. She might get applause from certain types of conservatives and there's just a part of that that maybe some folks listening in my voice would say yeah you know I mean we did try to tell you okay but we didn't succeed and if the point here is to make sure that we connect with and persuade as many people as possible which is candidly my objective here my objective is to give you food for thought those who agree with me great I love it you absolutely should as I've said many times before um and just to think these things through with one another, talk them out and, and talk about different aspects, I think helps in your abilities to communicate conservative ideas. Uh, maybe something I say will trigger a thought, you know, another thought that you have and you take it further. That's gr- All that's great stuff, right? Or maybe something I I say helps 
helps you articulate something you've had trouble putting into words or any number of things, right? Sometimes we work through these things together. Sometimes I can't put them into the right words. But we work, we work out some of these things and we, we, we try to get our hands around or at least identify what, what truth is and what these principles that we should be pushing for and defending in this great nation regarding issues, regarding ideas, all that sort of thing. And so if that's the case, if the entire point of this is to engage in political discourse and actually to move the needle, why on earth? It's as like Katie, Katie's never read the book, and I don't mean to pick on Katie, that's why I didn't identify her specifically here, but have you, have you ever read the book How to Win Friends and Influence People? If you haven't, I encourage you to do that. It's written by Dale Carnegie, absolutely fantastic. It's a book that is designed to help us influence more people and to win friends. So it doesn't mean it's just a way of of thinking, a way of dealing with people and to help to find agreement so that when there is areas of no agreement, there's at least some other starting point, some connection that we can work ourselves through it tactfully, gracefully without telling the other side, hey, suck it up and own it. I just, I don't understand this. I really don't. And I've, I've said on here before, and sometimes this doesn't hit the mark exactly right, but I've, I've said something like this in the past. Are we more concerned with people saying, wow, you were right, or are we more concerned with um, convincing those who don't agree with us that our ideas are right? In other words, are we more inclined – I didn't say that right. Are we more inclined to seek the praise of the people who simply are saying, right on? And that's great. I'm not minimizing that because that happens on this program <laughs> hopefully every day. But what I am saying is that's not the end-all, be-all. It's to do something practical with it, is it not? It's to think about it. It's to have a better understanding, a better way of communicating and articulating and taking it outside – the confines of this podcast, this radio show, and then doing something with it, right? And it's why we're working on some things with our conservative Not Bitter University as well. It's why we're embarking on this truth tour to get these ideas out there and to do so in a way that is is kind and graceful and not, I tried to tell you, you stupid idiot. What is that? I just, I don't understand that. Even if you want, even if you want to say it, and I, at one point in time we all want to say it, I think. But if the objective again is to win people to the ideology, we're just not going to get there if we treat people like this. It's just not going to happen, and that, folks, at at its core, is why we're conservative, not bitter here. Not, it's not why, but it explains. I guess if you need a why, it explains it. It's it's all it's it's how God wants us to treat people. And to pound our chest when we say and say we told you so, you stupid morons, that might make us feel good to get a little bit of attention at the moment. Yeah, you sure did try to tell them. You told them they just wouldn't listen. But what if we put more emphasis on making sure that we found a way to get people to listen instead of just saying, well, I tried. I said the right thing, but maybe I didn't say it in the right way. I said the right thing, but maybe I didn't communicate it in a way that connects it to someone else to where they get that aha moment. And that's why this program is open, 
to other folks who disagree with me. That's why I don't hate you. And if you don't agree with me today, but you agree with me in 10 years, I'm not going to say I tried to tell you, suck it up and own it. That is beyond juvenile to me. That's infantile. And this, in certain places, is applauded as though, yeah, this sticking it to them. But wh- what are we sticking to them and why? This is our nation. We should rejoice. We should rejoice, re- rejoice when someone comes to accept the truths of these constitution, uh, constitutional conservative principles and values. We should rejoice. We shouldn't say, we shouldn't have a contest that says, oh, I'm the one that converted that, or I tried to tell this person, but they're too stupid, so I'm going to stick it to them on social media. I just, oh, folks, 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 folks. I, I think this is, th- this might, again, this might get someone some additional followers, a little bit of attention, or the echo chamber to tell them, yep, you sure did but it does nothing to move the needle. In fact, if it moves the needle, it moves it backwards. It makes people who say, yeah, you did try to you did try to tell them. Um, and I agree with you, but man, this is off-putting. You're actually, this is, this is not conducive to genuine persuasion. And that's why I referenced the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And of course, really, bit, really long in this segment. So if you're new to this program, this does, <laughs> this happens more. In fact, Oz is uh, working with me to keep me on, on, on uh, the time a little bit better. But I got to get time out. Quick time out. Next segment will be shorter, but it'll get us back on track. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. All right, my friends. This is admittedly going to be a short segment. That's because, again, I've been Winded in segments one and two, but don't lie, you know that you enjoyed it. So um, I want to I just want to set up what I want to talk about on the remainder of this program. I uh, recently, and this is a I think this was a couple of I think this was Sunday. I had to think about that, but I um I had seen a post, this was on personal. Facebook stuff, and I don't do a lot. I've been doing more on the show for the show on social media, but I'm not. I personally don't really like social media. I like connecting with people and all that, but it's just not. It's just not my gig. I like to to talk, and that's not really how that that works. Um, I guess you can do lives, which we did a live yesterday. But anyhow, not the point. The point is not a big fan, but I do go on there, and I was intrigued by a post. This was something I, I saw personally, and I've reposted it on our Facebook page, maybe tweeted it. I think I tweeted it too. Anyway, there was um, a friend of mine who was talking about the profits of big oil, right? The profits of big oil, and he was uh, basically saying that they were greedy. And look, this is not going to be this is not going to be a defense of big oil or anything like that, but I am, I do want folks to think about this as we go through some numbers. I want folks to think about who the real villain is when it comes to the cost at the pump. And I want to go through really what the breakdown is. And I want to talk about this. And there's a lot of talk about this, a lot of finger pointing, gas, gas prices in the minds of Biden, Jinsaki, and the left. The politicians, the media, is it's not policies, it's not any of that. It's not government, no, no, no. It has to be either greedy oil companies or uh, a war in Ukraine that didn't even exist when gas prices were already shooting upward as they have 
this entire administration. Um, but be that as it may, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to respect the time here. Oz is going to probably give me a pat on the back during the break, say, good job. You got it reasonably close to the regular time here, and then we'll come back and talk about this after the break. Sound good? Good deal. So sit tight, my friends. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Be back here in a couple of minutes. All right, my friends. So let's get to this issue of of gas because we're all paying extraordinarily high prices at the pump. In fact, um, we're looking at what are we looking at? We're looking at an average over four dollars. We're at we're looking at cities in certain states that are over five. Um, I saw at one point yesterday the uh, barrel of oil was trading. I want to say. I better not say because I don't. I don't want to mess it up on the fly here, but it was well over a hundred dollars. In fact, some people are betting it's going to get closer to two hundred. I saw two hundred dollars a barrel. And by the way, a barrel of oil whole it produces forty-two gallons of fuel of gasoline, and a barrel of crude oil accounts for fifty-three percent of the cost of a gallon of gasoline. So. Whatever that oil costs, you can figure a little bit more than half of the cost of gasoline is just to produce, pull that oil out of the ground. Now, let's pause for a moment and let's ask ourselves, why is the cost of crude oil going up? Well, great question. There's a couple of reasons. Um, Number one. Number one, the production was decreased in 2020, well, 2020, and we have had an issue of getting back to regular levels because the economy uh, bounced back faster. Thank you, President Trump, as he had <laughs> had to throw that in there, as he had said that it would bounce back more quickly. And so production was an issue. That's certainly a factor. But the other things you have to look at is what happened, and we touched on this yesterday, what happened when this president took office? Well, he immediately shut down Keystone Pipeline, which, of course, they're going to say that has nothing to do with the price of American oil, da-da-da-da-da. Well, I will say this. The, the biggest factor for the cost of crude oil right now is the fact that there's not enough of it to meet demand. Now, maybe the Keystone Pipeline was not designed for American consumption or what have you, as the left will tell you. But if we could get more oil more quickly and more efficiently, more inexpensively to point A to point B, then that would certainly give us more oil, which would drive down a barrel. I mean, that's, to me, an obvious conclusion that one could draw. Um, we also know that Biden and the radical left, and Biden's, I mean, his party is being run by the radical left. They are not viewed at favorably by people in uh, in this, in in the oil business, uh, well, they might be happy to give them money to protect themselves and to stay in their good graces, so that when it's time for the lovers of big government to try to crack down and create some sort of a, a requirement or new tax, um, big business can use that as a way to prevent people from entering the competitive market and keep competition away, or to you know maybe buy some favors or some such thing. But the bottom line is um, Biden has aligned himself. The radical left has aligned themselves with the with the 
environmentalists, the extreme environmentalists who want to see truly 8, 10, 12 plus dollar a gallon gasoline. They want people to not be able to afford the drive and to force people to not drive cars. That is on record. I mean, even Obama, back when he was president, acknowledged as much in front of a environmental group when he was speaking. So when you know that a president comes in who doesn't have, you know, who isn't favorable towards you, your industry, that makes you think differently about some things. When you see a president shut down a pipeline, when you see inflation hit, which of course has caused the price of gasoline to increase as well, all these factors are not good. These are all things that are directly the response or the result of policies and consequ- uh, policies enacted, um, ideology embraced by Joe Biden and the radical left. Combine that with a war now in Ukraine, Russia invading, and of course all the steps being taken to ban Russian oil. Now you're cutting more oil. I'm not saying that these things shouldn't be done. I'm just saying the consequences that you're banning, uh, you're you're blocking more oil from getting uh, into the marketplace, which is going to make it rarer and more expensive. I mean, Biden even told us, I mean, there's going to be a cost to pay, and the cost to pay for this is going to be at the pump. Now, whatever your beliefs or uh, thoughts are on on not buying Russian oil, which I'm not. I, it's probably it makes sense to not buy it, right? Because Putin's benefiting, and as Trump pointed out in his speech, he's benefiting from the increased price in oil to help fund his war machine, his war effort over there. So it's he's getting more benefit from watching, you know, from causing more havoc and making oil prices more unstable. Um, so let's say that that's the right move to make. Um, we were we were buying a significant amount of oil from over there, so that's going to be a factor. And the reason, like it or not, that Putin's in Ukraine is because he didn't respect Biden. American weakness is provocative. So all those things combined, and I'm not even – this is just a really quick sketch because I don't have a whole lot of time here. All those things combined to make oil prices what they are, gas prices. So when we get back, I'm going to really quickly go through and break down – the true culprit. So we just demonstrated that government drives up the cost of gas by driving up the cost of crude oil, but it's not. It, it's much worse than that. It's much worse than that. They take a lot more than companies' profit as well. Quick timeout. We'll discuss. Back in a minute. Okay, I got to do this pretty quick. So let's talk about where the cost, why gas is what it is. Right? The cost cost of a gallon of gasoline. Um, I mentioned before that 50, roughly 53% of gas, the cost of gas, is baked into the, um, what, ex, uh, extracting oil, right? The crude oil prices. Um, 17% of gas is... Taxes, 17%. So the 53 and the 17, 53% in uh, the crude oil price and the 17% for taxes, that accounts for 70 total percent. So there's 30% left for the oil companies. 22% of that basically is their costs. And that's, I mean, marketing, distribution, transportation, and all those sorts of things. So they, 
this was Exxon Oil, oil in particular. Exxon Oil profited 8%, 8% in 20, um, that was $23 billion in 2000, well, in the past year. So, my question is, how can a government act like this is all big businesses? This is Bernie Sanders, this is other radical leftists, this is Joe Biden, this is everybody pointing the finger at big oil. And we got to be careful here because this is going to take us in a direction that's bad for the American economy and bad for free markets. How can they do all that with a straight face when they literally have done nothing to produce the oil, they take twice as many profits, 8% profit for Exxon, 17% profit, if you will, for uh, the government. How can they do this? And on top of that, they're supposed to use that money to take care of the roads and bridges. Why did we need the infrastructure bill? Folks, I got to go. Out of time. SDGC tomorrow. Take care.